good. Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, uh, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here. In just a moment, we'll be reading 2 Timothy, the third chapter, uh, verse 16 and 17. If you want to be turning there, what's better than one preacher? Sounds like a bad joke, doesn't it? Two preachers? <laughs> hey, we are very thankful to have the opportunity to work together tonight in uh, proclaiming a wonderful message that we hope will ripple on and, and just... Uh, so a lot of good seeds for uh, days and weeks and, and even years to come. But let's take care of a little item of business. If, uh, if you're sitting on the end of a pew, please pass down the Take Root books that are there. And uh, every, there should be enough for every at least junior high and up. And then also, once you pass those down... Uh, if you have some left over, you might just kind of hold them up. And if you need one, we have men that are ready right now to go pick up the ones that's left over and then give them to the people that need one. So if you need one, raise a bare hand. If you have extra ones, raise it in your hand. And uh, we can take care of getting those where they need to be. All right. Yeah, do, if you don't have one, raise your hand. Anybody? Need one? Okay, that worked out well. We, we tried to spread them out, and I guess it worked. Good, good. We've been saying uh, for a few weeks now, let's say something. You know, it's, we have so much... <laughs> I'll talk for a little bit while Philip gets his batteries back in. <laughs> I hope you know. I hope you know which way they go. <laughs> Hey, can you grab the other mic? You can use that one until the, the time being. Last time I spoke, this happened. Remember? The, it's terrible. Technology hates me. It's coming. All right. When we think about the opportunities that we have uh, to share the gospel, uh, oftentimes when we think about, okay, I've talked with someone and now they have interest and... And now I'm really nervous because I've never done this before. Uh, what, what, do I, what do I need to say? What do I need to do? And tonight what we want to do is, is we want to give you an opportunity to learn of one tool that is available to you to share the gospel with. And when we use the word tool, I think that's real important for you to grasp what we mean. It's just a tool. I'm sure all of us have a pretty good understanding of, of what tools do. I don't, I don't think so. I, uh, not so fast, my friend. Uh, I, I know nothing about tools. I, it's, it's really a shame, like how little I know about tools. And there's probably other people out there like me that they really, if they're being honest, they don't know anything about tools either, right? Somebody out there. Don't make, don't make me feel alone, right? Um, in fact, I, I put a little poll together. We're going we're gonna to try something okay. out. And I, I want to test you guys' ability to know tools because some of you think that you know tools and some of you don't. Well, let's, let's put it to the test. Uh, we're going to show you about three tools. This is a, it's an easy game. It's called tool or gnaw. All right. So we're going to show you the name of a tool, but it might not be a tool. So you have to decide, is this a tool or gnaw? Okay. It's really easy. And so we'll just get you to raise your hand and vote. And uh, we're also going to give you a description of what the tool might do. Got it? Really easy. Let's 
Sounds good. Okay, Sounds good. I don't think there needs to be any cheating. There's some of you that are going to look over immediately yeah, at somebody that you think knows tools. And yeah. uh, that's not fair. Not fair. Not cool. Don't do that. Uh, let's, let's go to the first one here. Uh, tool number one, spec saw. Uh, a spec saw. Is it A, an industrial tool used in converting lumber to paper goods? B, a tool akin to the modern day hacksaw? Or C, not a tool? All right, let's, let's take it to vote. How many think A, an industrial tool used in converting lumber to paper goods? Raise your hands. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid to be wrong. <laughs> okay, good. All right, let's see people who think B, letter B, if you think maybe it's a tool akin to the modern day hacksaw. All right, what about C, those of you who think it is not a tool? Okay. Wow. Very impressive. A lot of C's. It is not a tool. You got it correct. Good job. Uh, let's get... Congratulations. But it would be nice to have a tool that you could run out of paper in the house and just yeah. run and grab a tool and it would turn wood great. products into paper. Yeah, you go to Lowe's. Hey, do you got a spec saw? Yeah. Uh, let's go to the next tool. A, uh, a mason's wedge. Uh, a commonplace masonry tool used in the early 1900s. A tool used by masons in casting bricks. Or C, not a tool, all right? A, a commonplace masonry tool used in the 1900s. Who thinks... That it's letter A tonight. All right, we got a few hands. Letter A. All right, B, a tool used by masons in casting bricks. Let's see those hands. A few more hands there. Or do you choose C, not a tool? Let's see who chooses C. Man, you guys are really indecisive tonight. I don't know what the deal is. A lot of A's, though. There were a lot of A's. A lot of A's. It is not a tool. C is, is correct. Most people miss that. Tool. It really sounds legit. You made up a really good tool, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Go to, go to Lowe's tomorrow and ask for one of those. It'd be great. Uh, let's do the third. This is the third and final tool. Here we go. A bull float. All right. A bull float. Is it A, a tool that measures buoyancy? You see float, maybe. Uh, B, a large concrete finishing tool? Or C, not a tool? All right, so let's do that again. A, if you think it's A, raise your hand. A tool that measures buoyancy. All right, Ben McGreevy is the only one to raise his hand. Uh, B, a large concrete finishing tool. Got a few people on that one. What about C, not a tool? Who thinks it is not a tool? Letter B is correct. Letter B is correct. It is, in fact, a large concrete finishing tool, surprisingly enough. All right. There you go. So we think about what is a real tool? And then if it is a real tool, what does it do? And then the question is, if it's a real tool and it does something, do you know how to use it? You know, I think about growing up out on the farm and we were regularly using some kind of tool or, or I think about an ax and... Spec and, saw. Yeah, spec saw turning wood into paper. And, you know, and, and, and I, you know I, I think about, say, an ax. So, okay, I know what that is. It's an ax. Okay, do you know what its purpose is? Well, you can chop down a tree, you can split wood. We split a lot of wood with an axe. But then the question is, can you use it? And that's, that's an entirely different ball game. And very quickly, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy 2. And this is a passage that probably a lot of us are really familiar with. I'd like for you to think about, uh, and this is something that I know Philip and I both try to emphasize with people when we're sitting down and studying with them. When you're holding the Bible, you are holding the ultimate tool. And, and, and notice the description that, that we have of Scripture. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. In other words, it can do something. 
What can this scripture do? Well, it's profitable for doctrine. In other words, if you, need to, if you want to be taught what the will of God is, it'll teach you. Or for reproof, it can help us identify what is wrong. And it will even be used for correction. It can tell us how to correct what is wrong. And for instruction in righteousness, it'll teach us how to continue walking in the right way once we've made those corrections in life. But now keep in mind the idea of tool here as we read 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when we think about the word of God, equips us. You, you see an electrician come in and, and he has a belt on and, and he has a lot of tools in his belt. Maybe he's carrying a ladder. Maybe he's carrying another toolbox. When you see him come in, he's equipped to do work. What if he comes in without all of that? He says, uh, sure, I, I see that you want that ceiling fan put in, but, but the problem is I don't have my equipment with me. Tonight, what we want to do is we want to share with you a tool tell you what it will do and then also encourage you by giving you just a brief lesson of how you could use it. Is that fair enough? Fair enough. Uh, it's funny, we were talking on the way in tonight and, uh, and someone, it's, you were saying one of the members here uh, had a dream the other night and like it woke him up in the middle of the night and uh, he said it, it dawned on me, we need a tool in evangelism. Like if someone said, hey teach me the gospel, he said I, I don't no necessarily I know where to start and so what we want to do tonight just to reemphasize what what David has said is we just want to put another tool in your belt we're not saying this tool is is the best one out there we're just saying it is one that's out there some of you grew up and uh, when I say Jewel Miller film strip some of you will nod and go I remember that that ding, and you turn go the next thing how many uh, of you that was your job yeah was to, yeah, to yeah be, I grew up being the little guy that turned it when it... You couldn't fall asleep or it had, no, to, oh no. had to be there, had to be ready. Uh, so you might know that tool. You might be familiar with um, a tool called God Speaks Today. That's one that, that my granddad actually wrote. His name was Jerry Jenkins, a great evangelist. He sat down and studied with a lot of people. And a lot of you in this congregation have used that when you've studied with people. Um, it's kind of weird. We don't really talk about it from the pulpit a lot. But, but there's a book called Access to God that a lot of you are familiar with because of your work with Stateside Campaign. And again, it's another tool, and that one's one that David Shannon and Mitch Poskovich wrote together. It's another tool uh, to familiarize yourself with. Again, not, no one tool is better than the other one. We know that this is the book from God and it's the, really the only tool that matters. Uh, and so the other tools can help us as we continue to learn. Yes. Take all of that and let's put on pause for just a moment and then we're going to let Philip give us a, a good introduction to this study. I want to go back in your mind a few years. And I almost get a lump in my throat when I really put myself in the memory of what it was like to be in this office in 9-11. Miss Pat came in and we wrote a TV in and we started watching what we couldn't believe unfold just like you, wherever you were. And you saw all those jet airliners, commercial airliners being used as missiles and you saw them hit the Twin Towers. You saw one go into the Pentagon and we all wondered what's going to happen with Flight 93. And there's been a lot of quotes and a lot of things about Flight 93 because of the so many phone calls that they made. But you remember that ultimately uh, they were gathered in the back of the plane and they made a plan because they're talking about to, to people uh, that they love uh, back on the ground and they're told that probably the destination 
is going to be the White House or the Capitol. And, and you know, Todd Beamer made famous that quote when they got ready to try to take the plane over. He made famous that quote, let's roll. And, and maybe I should say he said it, and really the president made it famous because he used that to say, let's roll. But I like the quote that is attributed to Tom Burnett. Tom Burnett was talking about the, the risk of all of this, and he said it this way. We are all going to die, but some of us are going to do something about it. I'm not asking you to literally turn your head left and right right now, but just look around. We're all going to die. And then outside these walls, every neighbor you have, every resident of Middle Tennessee is going to die. Who will say, but some of us are going to do something about it? That's why we want to share this tool with you. It's to equip you in the way that you say, you know what? I can do something about it. By the grace of God, I can do something about it. Very good. Let's get to it. Take your books out if you would. Again, if you need one, raise your hand. Uh, don't be shy. If you really need one of these, raise your hand and uh, make some notes. We want you to, to get the most out of this tool. Otherwise, you're just going to be sitting there without a way to do something with it. So um, let's get right to it. You see, first of all, the, the name of the book is Take Root. It's kind of a play on words uh, because this book is a lot about finding direction and finding where God wants us to go. But it's also about having a faith that takes root. And so that's kind of the, the title there. Uh, on the back of the book, you'll see four pictures. I just want to point those out because they really lay out exactly what the book is designed to do. You see a, a picture of a map, and a map, well, a map does what? Shows us where we've been. also shows us where we're going. A map kind of tells a story. It shows what's out there. It, we're able to look back at a map and, and see roads and paths and different, different ways you might take. So that's picture number one. Picture and number two. Sorry. Now we just use the GPS. Yeah, you don't need a map anymore. But uh, picture number two, you see a star. And you guys who like to go shopping, you go to the mall, you see the star, it means what? You are here. Good, good. The star is, is lesson two. It talks about where are you spiritually? That's an important question. Number three, you see the third picture there is an X. Now imagine you've got a treasure map and there's an X. We always say X does what? marks the spot. An X tells us where we want to go. It says where the treasure is or it says where the destination is. That's an important thing to know. So that's lesson three. It talks about where do you want to go? Where's your destination? Do you want to go to heaven? If that's where your treasure is and that's where your heart is, we're told the way. Lesson four, there's a picture of a compass or a compass. If you say compass or compass, it doesn't matter, but it's a compass. And uh, what does a compass do? It shows you how to get where you want to go. So each of these lessons are designed to do some things. The map tells you where you've been. The star tells you where you are. The X tells you where you want to go. The compass tells you how to get there. Very, very important concepts to grasp, spiritually especially. Let's jump into and, lesson one. Go ahead. And if you've never done a one-on-one -on -one Bible study, you notice how he's laid this out. You're on a journey. And the reason that it's so important to have some kind of tool if you want to sit down and study with someone is because if you don't have some kind of method of study, you're just going to chase every rabbit that pops in your mind or their mind. But see, with a tool, now your study is very structured and you literally can lead them from where they are to where they need to be. And so it's important to have some kind of tool. Very good. If you would open the front cover, again, you'll see the four pictures here in the front. 
Uh, on the next page, this is kind of if you want to do this. I wish we had time to go through all four lessons tonight. What, what I wanted to do is one, give you an overview of what the book does. But two, we really want to show you if you want to learn how lesson one works, we're going to show you lesson one. And maybe you'll see something tonight and you'll go, wow, I want to learn more about this tool. If that's the case, let one of us know. We'd love to, to show you more about this. And if not, that's okay too. Choose a different tool and lead people to Christ. Um, you see the second page here, it says roadside assistance. There's a few things in here that are interactive that require you to draw some pictures and sketch out some things. Uh, sometimes it's hard to understand something when it's written, but when you see it drawn it makes more sense so what I did is I made a YouTube channel and uh, there's a few activities in here you can go on there watch the videos on YouTube that shows you how to do that there's just two or three videos it's nothing real complicated but again if you need it it's there and Philip just for clarification is that for you to watch by yourself as yes. a teacher so you're teaching yourself not with the person correct correct yeah so if you are getting ready for the study and you're like I'm not sure exactly what that's supposed to look like that's what that's for. Good question. Good question. Uh, if you turn the page on the next page, you'll see um, a really jumbled up, crazy looking page. Those are kind of some helpful hints when you're studying the Bible with people. We're not going to run over all those tonight because we don't have time, uh, but, but those are good things to know when you're in a study. So lesson one, where you've been or the map. Turn to the next page where you see the four letters representing my favorite TV show of all time, Lost. Do you see Lost. I'm just going to read through this and follow along with me if you would. Have you ever been lost? I mean like really, really lost. Do you have a good story about a time you got lost? What happened? At this point, I usually stop and tell the story of me and Laura's first date when I got lost. <laughs> we won't go there, but there you go. Uh, have you ever thought about how we live in a day and age unlike any other time in history where navigation has never been so easy? Some of you have thought about this before. Gone are the days of unfolding a giant map and looking for the interstate or that back road shortcut. In fact, if we want to go somewhere, we don't have to know anything about how to get there. All we have to know is where we're going. We simply type the address into our smartphones and we're on our way, at least until we get hit with that. Recalculating. In 200 yards, turn. Recalculating. When possible, make a legal U-turn. If you think about it, it's become harder and harder to get lost. That's true physically. But it's never been so easy spiritually. There are so many people that want to lead us in the directions that they think are best. And maybe they have good intentions. But truthfully, they're not best. Let's keep going. It says there are addictions that will lead us to places we don't want to go. There are hypocrites everywhere that say one thing and practice another. There are parents that check out when it comes to helping their kids know which paths in life are the wisest to take. There are people that take advantage of us manipulate us to get what they want and leave us in the dust. There are a million people that want to tell you what they think is best for you, what you need to buy, what you need to wear, what you need to believe, etc. Wouldn't life be a whole lot better if it came with a map that we could trust? The good news is there's a map for that, the Word of God. A couple of passages I like to mention to them early in the study, very important passages. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What's it saying? You ever, you ever go to camp when you're a kid? How important was it when you're that junior camper, your first year at camp, to be sure you had a flashlight? That was like a, a week breaker if you didn't have it. You know, it was like a deal breaker. Why? Why do we love that, that assurance of a light? It shows us what's out there. It shows us what to expect. And what's beautiful when we're studying the Bible with people, and what's beautiful 
is that God has given us a light so that when we're out here walking in the darkness, we don't have to be in the dark. He's given us a light and he's put it in our hands. He's given us the word of God and it shows us where we should go. And it shows us what we can expect. It shows us what's out there and what's coming. It's a beautiful truth. Let's go to the next passage. Sanctify them. And I usually, by the way, when I'm studying with people and I see a word like sanctify, sometimes they don't understand that word. I'm not looking down on them. We don't use that word a lot in our language. So I have them underline it and we redefine it. Sanctify, that word of being set apart or, or to make holy. So to make them holy, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Well, what is John 17, 17 teaching us? Well, first of all, the last part of the sentence is pretty easy to grasp. Jesus in his prayer to God there says, your word is truth. The word of God's true. We can count on it. Again, it's that light that shows us the way. But also what's pretty cool about the word of God is that Jesus says here, we can be sanctified in the truth. What is the truth supposed to do for us? It's supposed to set us apart. There's a lot of people out here in the world that are living one way. But when we live in the truth, there's something different about us. There's something supposed to be different about us. We're supposed to be holy as God is holy. We're supposed to be sanctified by his truth. That's what the truth is supposed to do for us. The Bible's our North Star, a truth-telling map that shows us where we are, where we want to go, and most importantly, how to get there. I always have them underline those three statements right there. It's the map that shows us where we are, where we want to go, and most importantly, how to get there. Those are the four lessons that you're going to study with these people when you're studying with them. Um, okay, let's do something interactive, shall we? I want you, if you've got a pen on your row or if you've got... 300 pins in your purse, pass them out to the people on your aisle. And uh, I want us to take about, I don't know, two minutes of awkward silence. And I'm just going to call it like it is. It's going to be kind of awkward silence, uh, but don't make it awkward, okay? Make the, make the silence um, useful, because what I want you to do is this. Look at the directions here. It says, um, first of all, your map. In this life, each of us is on a journey. Everybody's journey looks a little bit different, and there's a lot that we can learn from each other. Before we get really deep into this Bible study, let's take a moment to share a little bit about what our journeys have looked like so far. Here's why this is cool. A lot of times when we study, there's that temptation to just line up everything that we think they need to know. Here's what's kind of interesting about lesson one. It lets you do a little bit of listening to learn about their story and not just tell them everything they've ever done is messed up and wrong, but to listen and to gain an understanding of where they're coming from. What's their spiritual background like? If you just jump in there and start talking about Abraham and Isaac and Moses, they might not know who those guys are. It's good to get a full picture of the people you're studying with. What's their background like? What's their story been like? Have they been through things that have traumatized them spiritually? Those are good things to know as you study. Anything you yeah, yeah, you know, Philip, what, what is so important when we're doing a Bible study with someone is eventually build trust with them. It may be it's your best friend. There's already trust there. Well, you've accomplished that. But a lot of time we're studying with someone that we don't have that strong relationship with. And so they, they can't help it. It's our human nature. They're sitting there listening to you teach, but also in the back of their mind, they're thinking, can I really trust them? Do they know what they're talking about? Are they telling me the truth? Are they misguided? And so there's that element of trust. If, if you want to help build up trust, being willing to listen to someone strengthens that relationship. And the more you strengthen the relationship, the greater the trust is going to be. And so I love how Philip laid this book out. So at the very beginning, it, it creates the opportunity to listen. It's always going to help build the relationship. 
Good. Here's how this works. Look at the directions here. It says, draw a map that represents some significant events in your life up to this point. Place a dot on the map signifying the time of your birth. So everybody do that. If you got a pen, go ahead and put a dot on the map and put September 7th, 1984 or whatever you need to put there for your birthday. You're, you're all 30 years old, right? So just put that there. And um, it says from that dot, map out as many dots along the way as you'd like, the highs and the lows. When you finish, be sure to place a star at the point that identifies where you are today and write, you are here next to it. So one dot's got your birthday, the other has a star, okay? And what's the star going to say? August 16th? Is that right? 16th, 2015. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to take about two minutes of awkward silence. And I want you to just draw some things out on this map. You can draw pictures, you can write little notes, whatever you want to do to map out some highs and lows in your life. It might be things like the first time you tried ice cream. Maybe it was the greatest day of your life. Or it might be something hard um, like I remember when I was 11 years old, my parents got a divorce. Or I moved from my hometown when I was 10 years old and everybody in that city knew me. I moved to a new place and nobody knew me and it was really hard. Or my dad walked out on us when I was 18. I, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like to you. Uh, but put some things in there that would represent some great moments, maybe the birth of some children, the day you got married, stuff like that, and also some times that were maybe hard to work through. Go ahead and do that. We'll take a couple of minutes to let you write that down, and uh, then we'll, we'll jump in. So make some notes if you would. We're pausing for you to do this, so please do it. That's roughly two minutes. Go ahead and turn the page. If we had more time, if we had more time, um, and if it was a different setting, we might let you guys share maps and turn to the person next to you and just share a little bit about your journeys uh, because that's what you do in the study. You share a little bit about your journey. You let them share a little bit about theirs. And you just listen. Try to understand where they're coming from, and you learn a lot. Here's three questions that at the end of that exercise I always ask 
uh, in a study because maybe they got brought up in that map, but maybe not. So here's three questions I like to ask whenever I'm studying with people. Uh, number one, they're not numbered, but the first question is this. Did you grow up going to church? Are you new to the Bible? Are you pretty familiar with it? Uh, sometimes you'll get their story of what they went through to church and why they quit going to church. They may already get that. Uh, or you might find that they're faithful in attending somewhere. Uh, regardless, it helps you know where they're coming from. So again, if you say a name like Moses and they don't know who it is, that lets you understand, okay, I might need to do some more background. I might need to do some more teaching. Next question I ask, have you been saved? Write down everything you remember about the day you got saved. That's an important question, isn't it? Maybe the most important question we could be asking ourselves. Have you been saved? David touched on it earlier, but one of the mistakes we make sometimes is judging. And one of the mistakes we make sometimes is being very quick to judge. And maybe saying things we shouldn't say and our heart being in the right place. Imagine you're in a study and you ask someone this question. You say, hey, have you been saved? And they say, oh yes, well, Tell me, man, tell me about that. Isn't, that's a great feeling, isn't it? It's a great feeling to be saved. Yeah, I, I'll never forget it. I was, I, was in this, I was in the mountains and uh, I was up there hiking and, uh, and I passed out and I had this vision and, and God like lifted me up by my backpack and like lifted me in the air and I was standing there like levitating and, and then God, he spoke into my heart. He said, you're saved. Whoa. <laughs> Everything within you is wanting to go, well, that's weird, right? <laughs> But what's the better approach? Leave it alone. Keep your mouth shut. You'll get to the truth later. Let the Bible do the convicting. We talked about this morning how a servant's not one who quarrels, not one who likes to bear fruit that's arguing all the time. It's good sometimes just to keep your mouth shut. Let the word of God do the, te the teaching and the convicting and the heavy lifting that really my words can't even do anyway, all right? So let God do what only God can do, and that's convict the heart. Philip, at that, you know, if you jump in and correct them right then, what they're going to hear is, your opinion is, I'm not saved. Yeah. My opinion is, I'm saved. And we both know right now, my opinion's better than yours. That's how that's going to be translated. Uh, years ago, uh, when, when I was about 27, 25, 26, 27 years old, I had the opportunity to learn a lot from Philip's grandfather uh, about evangelism. And uh, one of the things that he would say over and over in teaching you how to share the gospel of Jesus with others was he would say, the number one mistake that people make is answering premature questions. There's a lot of things that will come up but it's not the time to address it. So you file it away and you note so that when you come across it in the word of God, you let the word of God teach it. But if you say it, that's all it's worth is you said it and you've really started to deteriorate the relationship in your study. Very good, very good. The last question I just like to ask is, what led you to the point where your heart became open to the idea of studying, with the, studying the Bible? So um, when you ask that person at work, hey, would you like to have a Bible study sometime? And, and maybe you've asked them a couple other times and they've been like, I, I don't know, I, I'm not really into that. What, what changed their heart this time? Why are they sitting with you in the office right now? Why are they sitting with you um, at your lunch break? Why, why, why is their heart in a different place uh, than it was before? Those are good things to know.
And uh, let's wrap up lesson one. I'll, I'll turn things back over to David. Recalculating. Here's, here's kind of the recalculating really just tells what you do in this lesson. Number one, he talked about how I'm, a, how I'm on a journey and all of us are. Number two, we said the Bible's our North Star, a truth-telling map that shows us where we are, where we want to go, and how to get there. I always wrap up the study with 2 Peter 1, verse 3, where it says, God's divine power has given us all things that we need to know that pertain to life and godliness. Always have them underline those two words, because those are two important words. And I say, what do those words mean? What does life mean? And they go, this that's correct. This is life. It's easy to get. Everybody gets that. But godliness, what does that mean? That's a word that maybe it takes a little time to think through. But you see the word God and godliness. If someone is godly, it means they're, they're trying to be like God. Here's what's awesome about the word of God. It doesn't just tell us everything we need to know about this life. It's not just a facts book. It tells you everything you need to know about this life. And then godliness, it tells us how to live in this life. And you know what's beautiful about Jesus Christ? He didn't come to this earth just to tell you how to live your life. He came to this earth to live it and to show you how to live your life. That's what sets him apart. Very good stuff. Thank you very much. If you will, as we close, will you open your Bibles to Acts the 8th chapter? I'd, I'd like for us to read two verses. Many of you will know these verses, but I'd like for us to put our eyes on them before we close this evening. Remember in Acts 8, in the last half of the chapter, we have a wonderful conversion story where the Holy Spirit sent Philip to meet up with a man from Ethiopia. And so this man is traveling along in his chariot and he's reading. And I'd like for you to notice in verse 30 when he, he finally catches up with the chariot in verse 30, Acts the 8th chapter. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Picture this. He hears him reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch answered and said, how can I? unless someone guides me. Isn't it interesting that we never see someone become a Christian in the New Testament that someone else didn't guide them? You say, all somebody needs is the Bible. The Bible contains everything that we need in order to learn how to become a Christian. But we don't see anybody becoming a Christian in the New Testament unless someone else came and interacted in their study. I'm begging you to really think about that beyond this moment. We're emphasizing this month, hopefully for a life of having souls on our mind. And as you have souls on your mind, I'm begging you to always think about it. Unless somebody teaches them they're not going to become Christians. That's the biblical example. Unless someone teaches them, they're not going to become Christians. Isn't it wonderful that we can learn a method of how to sit down with someone and say, do you know how precious this book is? It's the Word of God. Do you know where you are right now? Do you know where you can be? Do you know what God wants you to do in response to that. That's the four lessons. How beautiful is that? So tonight, 
take this book and take it to heart. Master whatever method you want to use and just make sure that whatever method you use is taking you back to only the Word of God. If every one of us in this room really set out to see souls, how different would our community be in the matter of months or years? Wouldn't it be amazing? Let's all do our part. Let's pray for God to give us opportunities and for God to give us wisdom and that we'll rise to the occasion of what God has offered to us. You know, we studied this morning, though. It starts with individually us following Him. So we're about to sing a song of encouragement. And, and as much as we want to help others be saved, that's a good heart. But think how hollow and how shallow and disingenuous it is if you're not saved. And so tonight, what better way could we close this type of worship service where our focus has been on people becoming Christians than someone tonight become a Christian? It thrills us. The angels and the heavenly host and the Father himself would rejoice. If you're ready to be baptized into Christ, we would love to assist you with that. If you've done that and you want to be restored and come back to Him, we'd be honored to pray with you. If we can help you.